Hey, fanboy nation. This is your pal Daffy Duck, and you're watching. You're watching. We're watching. You're watching. Fanboy. 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 Fanboy, etc. Fanboy nation. Dot. I assume Tom. Today, I am speaking with Ruckus and Lane Sky, S-K-Y-E, about their new movie, The Devil to Pay, which I initially thought was going to be a loose remake of The Devil to Pay from 1930, but this is definitely not a romantic drama in that sense, <laughs> where people sold their goods to leave East Africa and romance two different women. Um <laughs> You know, Lemon, uh, the character Lemon is a, is a strong, uh, strong woman that, uh, lo- you know, her husband went missing and now she's on the verge of losing her son in the Appalachian Mountains. Whew. You know, not a, uh, not a very comforting or humorous story. <laughs> I actually think there's a lot of humor in the story. <laughs> there's a lot of comedy. <laughs> well, you do have crazy cults. You have, you know, this creepy baker lady and everything else going on. <laughs> Yeah, I guess we just have a sixth sense of humor. <laughs> well, that comes from a lot of, we love, um, uh, you know, Southern Gothic literature where that, it's literally the blend of the macabre and the dark humor. And, and we love that mix. And so that tends to seep out through our pores. <laughs> well, it definitely also has that seventies vibe, you know, seventies, uh, you know, mountainous horror movie dra- drama going on. Uh, I love your guys' use of natural light in this as well. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was beautiful. The mountains are beautiful and it was just like, it literally, it was beautiful while we were there. It was like, we got to make sure it looks like what we're seeing right now because it, it was amazing up there. And our, our DP Sherman Johnson did a fantastic job of just photographing the whole film and, and keeping that sense of naturalism throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Well, you guys pulled it off. I mean, yeah, I'm sitting there uh, and I'm watching it and I'm, it's a slow burn. It's not, you know, in your face. It's not you know, a slasher movie. It's not one of those things that you just get tired of seeing over and over again. It's refreshing to see a suspenseful story that keeps you wanting more without going beyond the capabilities of what the audience can handle. Hmm. Well, that's nice. Nice to hear. (laughs) It's not, well, when I say that, I mean like, uh, what was Wes Craven's first movie? Um, uh, how, I can't even remember what it's called, but they're out in the forest and it's another slasher film and some woman's being beaten against the rocks. And, you know, I'm glad we didn't get to, to that. Extreme. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how did the story come about? Because clearly it's not the devil to pay from 1930 or a remake of that. Yeah. You know? So how did the story come about? It has an exclamation mark on it. I noticed the other day. Yeah. Like that's how you can it's tell the it's got the exclamation mark on it. Um, well, we met the, the lead actress, Danielle Deadweiler. We met her through the Atlanta arts community uh, a couple of years earlier. And we had, the three of us had wanted to work together and nothing, nothing ever felt right. Um, and then finally, Lane and I one day, so why don't we just write something for her? So well, what do we want to see her do? And we knew we wanted to make a Southern Gothic thriller and this is the story we came up with and we wrote it with her in mind, but we, she didn't know we were doing this. We just wrote it. And then we handed it off to her and crossed our fingers, hoping she was going to like it. We we're like, we'll have a movie or we won't. <laughs> <laughs> Cause if she, if she had passed on it, I don't know if we would have made it or not. Cause we, yeah. you know, we had her in mind the whole time, but that's, that's what happened three months later. We were shooting the film. Yeah. Well, th- is this your guys' follow up to Becky, uh, the uh, Kevin James film? 
No, actually, we shot this before we shot this we two, Becky. Yeah, we shot this two years before Becky got shot. Um, it's just taken a while to come out. Got it. So did you two meet at, like, some horror convention or, like, a normal place like church and then <laughs> discover that you guys had the, this uh, affinity for uh, weirdo mountainous cults and, uh, <laughs> and horror flicks? Yeah, it's really funny. No, we, we worked – we, we met very young. We worked at a restaurant together yeah. and, um, it just, we just slowly, we didn't initially weren't necessarily creative partners, uh, in art in any way. And it slowly developed and decided we wanted to try filmmaking. And then we had to start writing because we needed something to shoot and kind of just, it was never a plan. It was just how it happened. Yeah. Um, but we started seeing where our tastes overlap and they happened to be, some grotesque things. Some <laughs> <laughs> but like I was, I was telling someone else like this. I love that it's been embraced by the genre community. Cause yeah. to me, it feels like a straight family drama because that's, what's important to us is that the characters feel grounded and real and that it's the drama of what's happening. But you know, then you throw the, the genre elements on top. Right. Uh, and that's what yeah, I guess pushes it into genre. But, um, it seems like there's been a recent resurgence of these Southern Gothic type films. You know, it's been 40 plus years in the making and, you know, it, it's nice to see that, uh, what's old is now new again. Were there any of those older films that inspired you to make, to make this one? Not that definitely like influenced this one, but I, there's definitely a lot of those older films that I love and have loved for a long time. So I'm sure they influence our taste. Like, uh, The Heart is a Lonely Hunter, Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte, and, you know, all those old school. In the Heat of the Night's one of my favorite films. Or even Deliverance is a great film. I mean, we even have a, we have a blatant Deliverance homage when (laughs) he's on the porch playing a banjo and it's like, okay, they'll either get that this is Deliverance or Kermit the Frog. It'll be one or the other. (laughs) Or both. Either one's cool. Either one's cool with us. Yeah, the, I I really enjoyed the film. I I was scared when when after a while I thought it was going to be more of a horror movie because slasher movies and I don't always get along if that okay. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad it wasn't that. But I I was sitting there and I'm visually like engulfed in the film because the storytelling's phenomenal, the the lighting is phenomenal, cinematography is great, and then realizing that this isn't a thirty million dollar picture on top mm-hmm. of it. You know, it just puts it all together and you're like, wow, what you guys pulled off with a smaller budget than that was fantastic. Oh, thank you very okay. much. Yeah, it was definitely a very small, scrappy, independent, and, independent indie film. Yeah. Um, but we were very fortunate that we've, um, had an amazing group of friends that believed in it and wanted to help us get it made and kind of elevated the whole thing far beyond the budget. And the community of Hiawassee where we shot really embraced us as a, as almost family members and, you know, helped us get all the the things that we needed for the film. Um, you know, anytime that we needed something, we would just ask for it and it would show up on set. Oh yeah. In fact, we were shooting, this is my favorite story. We were shooting the cult scene. It was, it was two in the middle of the day out of nowhere. I just turned to, um, this woman, Michelle Moreland, who was helping and we were on her property. And I said, I need a baby here in 20 minutes. And she <laughs> And and like she, 19 minutes later, she, she showed up with a baby. baby. They were like, where did you get that? <laughs> that, that's a true story. 
and but that's a small example of every every the every scene I could probably tell you something about how we needed something and someone yeah. in that community pulled through and got it for us. So. Yeah. Oh I mean, my god. But yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. But it was the most beautiful angelic baby and I was like it needs to be covered in dirt. We end up add, <laughs> adding a lot of digital dirt later because we didn't realize how pretty and beautiful ivory baby. baby yeah. <laughs> right. They had just, that's why it took 20 minutes to get the baby. They had just bathed it to bring yeah, it over. It. And we're like, we're going to dirty it up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to, to the mother's dismay. <laughs> yeah. But that little baby is three now. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. When, when you do an independent film like this and you get the, not only, you know, the, the smaller budget, but you get the community rile, uh, rallying behind you and then to get praise for a film that you know how long it took to put together. Um, I assume the shoot was roughly a month for the, for this film or a little bit less, a little 19, bit longer. 19 days. 19 days. 19 shoot days. Okay. Yeah. So. We did it in three weeks. In three weeks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. It was, it was, it was, yeah. It was scrappy. Know, because of the limits of the budget. We would have spent more time if we had more money. <laughs> you're not, you're not even multiple, uh, what's it called? Multiples of threes at this point. It's still 19 <laughs> days. You didn't even make it to 21. Yeah, we didn't make it to 20. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we had planned for 18. It was like, ah, oh, we need one more. <laughs> but when you get, even one day over is phenomenal to like miss the mark by 24 hours. Yeah. 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 But when you have only 19 days and then you see the final product and what it looks like, and realizing that the community rallied behind you, your friends rallied behind you, and now people are finally getting to see the film and going, wow, the, this was an amazing job with what you had to work with. Uh, how much more gratifying is that for you? Yeah, I, it's, it's it's incredible. Yeah, and we're so grateful to everybody that helped us get to this point, and we're so excited that people will finally get to see the film people that don't know us and didn't work on the film get to see the film so we're we're super excited to share it with people it's not the same 90 people at the film festivals i got you <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um has has covid kind of been a blessing or a curse in this regard because you know if the if this had gone to theaters it would have maybe gone to a grindhouse style theater ind- independent theater um but now everybody's house is a movie theater so i think that right. that would be a bonus um how does that change filmmaking for you at this point? That's really interesting. That was part of part of the success of Becky was because of the weird timing that came out and it got way more attention than it might have otherwise if studios were um, putting out the larger features. So it was pretty incredible for an indie film to get that much notice. And, and this comes out in a week, so we're, we'll yeah. find out. We're hoping that, you know, people are at home looking for something to watch that they'll take a chance on something that's a little more indie than, you know, what they might've otherwise. Uh, the way things have been going, it seems that there's this ebb and flow of, we'll, you know, we'll peak with these big, but like if we go back to the 1950s, uh, you know, the big budget musicals and the Technicolor and then everything else. And then we get to the sixties and about 65 because there's tensions in the world, there's the downturn, it becomes more gritty. It becomes more raw. It becomes more, almost gorilla. And I, I've noticed that trend over the years, like the eighties, you know, high, high, like the fifties, nineties, low, like the sixties, so on and so forth. And we're back to a bit of more of those grittier films. So I think VOD is the perfect spot for this, especially since a lot of people don't like going to the theaters anymore. And even if they are open in their area, they're not ready to go back. Yeah. 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 It's like drive-in is almost the only way I feel totally safe. 
currently right now. And it sucks because I love being in the theater. I love sitting yeah, in the theater. Yeah, I mean, communal film watching is just such a cultural thing, but it's a thing that we won't feel safe doing for a while. So it's nice to be able to watch things at home as, as freely as we can. If this had happened at any other time in history, you know, we wouldn't be watching what we're watching. We'd have to go to the video store and rent you know, boobies or whatever. But, <laughs> but it, it is so amazing that it's going to be able to, like, people almost anywhere are going to be able to find it if they want to and watch it so that they feel very fortunate. And I do love that the film is playing at some drive-in theaters because that's such an old-school thing that kind of had fallen out of fashion. But I, I love that this is, like, a, a, a fun revival yeah. Of, yeah. of drive-ins. I like the idea of the drive-in for the movies. I'm still having trouble with it being for concerts and comedy shows. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I haven't quite wrapped my head around that. <laughs> that that part is, is a little uh, disheartening. I don't want to sit in the car and watch a concert. I'm like, uh, <laughs> you know, people getting up and just dancing around their vehicles at that right, point. Right. Um, yeah. You know, you had a great story with with the baby just showing up within 19 minutes, and you had <laughs> other stuff like that. Was that your favorite story from from the shoot, or is there something else that just like? really sticks out that you, whenever you talk about the film, you have to tell everybody the story of being on set. Um, I think one of my favorite stories is we, um, there's a part in the film where Lemon is walking through the woods and she walks past a post that has a, a ear, a human ear, a on. human ear nailed to it. And so we shot that in this summer camp area and, um, and we were, you know, we shot in 19 days and it was an independent film. And so we shot the scene and we moved on and we forgot that we left the posts with the ear attached on this summer <laughs> property. And, you know, we got our day, we went home for the night. And then early the next morning, uh, the woman who was hosting us, um, who was local to the area, Michelle Moreland, she, she helped us make this film. She got a phone call and they were like... <laughs> There was somebody out fishing early in the morning and he found this ear. And what I love about the area is that he did not call the police. What he did was call the property owner and be like, Hey buddy, why you got an ear down here by the river? It was us. But you know, for a minute, somebody thought something bad had happened. Well, at least they didn't rat out the person and jump to conclusions. So that's a good right, thing. Right. right. Uh, Catherine Dyer's character. Um, is terrifyingly charming. <laughs> hey, she she's very ladylike in, in this, and you know, and she's like Susie homemaker. She's baking biscuits. She's doing all sorts of all sorts of things like that. But Tommy is still a scary person. <laughs> and that seems to be kind of I don't want to use the word trope because that's not the right word I'm looking for. But that tends to be some of the Southern villainesses' roles in certain films. It, you know, is that because by accident, or are there really women in the South like this? Uh, I mean, you know, it, minus like baking people in pies or whatever. Uh, yeah, being right. I mean, I definitely, she's definitely modeled after parts of Southern women that we know are in our families. Like the there's a, most of the women that I know from the South are really strong. Um, women who are kind and sweet and they'll, you know, bake you a pie or help you, you know, with your babysitting or whatever, but they will also are not people to be fucked with. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, you do not fuck with these women, especially when it comes to their kids or their families. Um, 
they, yeah, they will not play. So <laughs> I mean, she's protecting her family the way she thinks she should. And right. she, she's every bit as righteous as lemon from her point of view. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, character names have, have meanings and what is the significance that you can share at least mm-hmm. uh, for the audience with Tommy's last name being reunion? It's running. Oh, it's running. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just running. Ah, we just like the way it sounds. I like the way it sounds. Tommy Runyon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounded like her. <laughs> um, you know, this is a very character-driven movie. It's a very well put together film. Most of the actors aren't exceptionally well known, but ex- extremely talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you pull everybody together like this, and then. You know, Catherine is a little more well-known than some of the other actors. And the magic happens and it, and it comes all together. What does that tell? Not necessarily the detractors that said, Oh, here we go. These guys are going to go make this film on this lower budget, but tell you as creators that you know your craft better than what anybody else said to you. <laughs> um. Well, you have to go in, you have to, you have to go in almost delusional that you have to, what you're doing is the right choice and you don't have time to second guess it. And then you find out if you're right or not a year later. (laughs) Uh, it really was like several times on the set, something would click and two actors would start working and then we would look at each other and kind of relax and be like, okay, this is going to work. I don't know. I, I, we didn't know necessarily it was going to work sometimes until it, we saw it up on its feet and uh but we just had to dive in we said making the film was like jumping off the cliff and figuring out what to do on the way down right we like when danielle said she would do it we set a start date without having anything in place we had danielle in a script we had danielle that was it we didn't have but we kept telling everyone this is a moving train do you want to get on it or not and then this is the date we're shooting it that's and, a lot of faith in danielle to sit there and go hey <laughs> we're putting you in a movie what's it called i don't know what's it about <laughs> I don't know. But I'm going to be in a movie. Right. Uh, well, and, and, and a lot of faith on her part that we were yeah. going to be able to put it together yeah. too. But unfortunately, um, a lot of the actors um, we knew and had wanted to work with and we knew from around and we wrote many, many of the parts for those actors and everyone we wrote a part for agreed to do it, which yeah. was very fortunate. So a lot of them, we kind of knew their wheelhouse and knew what they were able to do. And so that that's a lot of why it worked. <laughs> But that makes it a little more fun in that regard. Um, you guys said you're in Atlanta and I know Georgia has kind of become a hotbed of production right now. You know, Georgia, Vancouver, uh, Toronto. What is it being there in the South watching the emerging film community and being a part of the emerging film community? Um. Well, there's been a strong independent community in Atlanta for a really long time, but well before the tax credits arrived there. Um, and the tax credits have definitely been helpful in building infrastructure. You know, there's a lot more stages there and a lot more rental houses and things like that, but it also takes a lot of crew away from independent films um, because they're working on big Marvel movies and they're making, you know, way more money on these big films that come to Georgia rather than these, these tiny little films. So it's, it's been mixed seeing, you know, how it's, it's affected the, the independent community, but it also brings a lot of attention to attention and it makes it possible for strong actors to live in Atlanta, which is another benefit because there is work for them that pays money. Um, unlike independent film, which doesn't always pay very much. But so. it, it was interesting years ago 
uh, seen a lot of actors in Atlanta get really good and get to a certain point, and then now they have to move to L.A., and then now there's a lot of actors from L.A. moving to Atlanta. So it's very interesting to watch watch that dynamic shift back and forth. Yeah. The, the shift is definitely going to be interesting. And if they drive out independent filmmakers in Atlanta, Alabama is right next door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. <laughs> you get to keep the same climate and, <laughs> and everything yeah. else and just, yeah, go, yeah. you know, uh, 400 miles or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, before I let you go, cause I, I know the, the film comes out on October 6th, I believe. On VOD on October on, 6th. Yeah. It comes out the, the second in, uh, in drive-in. In drive-in, yes. Drive-in on the second and then VOD and, uh, and DVD on the sixth. Um, when, when you put something like this together as independent filmmakers, um, I talked to, I'll put it like this. Uh, let me rephrase this. Um, I talked to a lot of fighters and professional wrestlers as well. And Mm. people, the musicians that are part of the crowd where it's instant gratification. You know, you're at a concert, you're at a fight, you're at a show and instantaneously, you get the applause and you know if this worked, if this didn't work. Same, same with comedians and whatever else. Right. But, you know, how difficult is it to wait for delayed gratification? <laughs> sit there and go, all right, our movie Becky came out before this, but we filmed this two years prior to that. And now this one's getting reactions. Right. Yeah. It's, it's good. It's hard. It's a, it's a marathon, you know, but, uh, but, you know, we did have a festival run with the film, so we did get to see it with audiences uh, a year ago. And that was incredibly gratifying to finally get to sit with a crowd of people pre-COVID um, and hear their reactions to the films. Because that's that's how you really know that it works is when a room full of people gasp in the right place and, you know, then you, and they're like not shifting in their seats and, and all of that. Uh, but but yeah. It's it's definitely hard to wait for that moment because it takes so much and so long to get there. I mean, I think the only antidote is to be working on the next thing. And it's, you know, that's what keeps your focus is what is the next thing you're working on currently. And, um, yeah, man, I we have no patience, so it's very difficult. <laughs> very different. I can't believe this will literally be – it was October three years ago that we shot this. So it, I would have never guessed that it would have taken this long to come out. But, um, you know – I'm really excited that it's about to, so I can't wait to get it out there. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to hear audience reactions because I was really pleased with the film and this isn't typically the genre that, that I go to. You know, it's not like Saturday afternoon and I'm scrolling through the DVDs and I was like, what's going to make me uncomfortable? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> you know. But in a fun way. <laughs> right, right. You know. What's good, what's gonna make me feel uncomfortable that I really shouldn't laugh at this moment, but it, it's still funny. It's kind of dark. I know the devil to pay, but no, yeah. you guys did a great job with the okay. devil to pay. So I'm really honored to speak with you today. Thank you very much. Thanks for having Glad us. I enjoyed it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, real quick, where can we find you on social media and what VOD platforms will people be able to, f- to find it? So we are, uh, if you just look Ruckus and Lane Sky on Instagram and, uh, there's a Facebook page, mm-hmm. um, either one of those. And, um, I think it's anywhere you can rent a movie. Yeah. I, I the last list I got was super. It long, was so long. So we were like, I don't know what. I think, you yeah. know, Amazon, iTunes, uh, any of those. Redbox. Redbox. It's, it's pretty much anywhere you can rent a movie. It'll yeah. be, I think it'll be hard to not find <laughs> <laughs> if you're looking for it. Well, at, 
Amazon and, and iTunes are the two uh, are the two biggies. So let, let's yeah. uh, push them over there since that hey. has the most eyes on them. But congratulations again. The Devil to Pay is at drive-ins October second. Uh, hopefully, people don't come knock on your window at the most intense point, <laughs> of, <laughs> or that might actually be more fun for the people around you. <laughs> and then on demand in VOD October sixth. Uh, Ruckus and Lane Sky, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Oh, and uh, keep me posted on what you got coming out next so we can talk okay. then. I will. Well. Thank you so yeah. much. I assume that's going to be a romantic comedy. Yes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Reckoning too, but we're just changing genres. <laughs> there you All go. Right. Take care, guys. All right, bye. Bye.